Tonight we have a wonderful crowd and we're very appreciative of you being here. I know there's a lot of places you could have selected to go tonight on a Friday night than to come here. But we're going to be studying a topic of tremendous importance this evening. The material that we cover tonight is the material that your friends who are spiritually minded, your neighbors, those you work with, those that you come in contact with from month by month or year by year, they believe this is what God's plan of salvation is. As you see on the board, it is entitled, The Romans' Road to Salvation. The majority of megachurches, the majority of community churches, the majority of the denominational world believes that the Romans' road to salvation is all they need to do in order to be saved. This lesson is designed to show you the positive things about the Romans' road to salvation and to show how it is incomplete. And we will do that toward the end of our lesson. We want to give credit where credit is due. We want people to understand what the Romans' road to salvation is and what it is not. So therefore... I've been asked many, many times across this nation. But my friends and my neighbors, they're so wonderful. You know, they're spiritually minded. They talk about God and Christ and the Holy Spirit and the angels and church and the Bible. And they're just so wonderful. I just cannot imagine them being lost. Well, your friends there, majority of them, they believe they're saved because they've obeyed the Romans' road to salvation. Why is it called the Romans' road to salvation? Well, if you are from the community today, and several of you might be, if you're from the community, you know exactly what we're talking about. If you're from the Church of Christ today, and most of you are, some of you may not have a clue what we're talking about. Because, see, the denominational world and sectarians and religious groups, they teach this going in and going out, wherever they can. They will be in a public place, and they'll leave a little track here and a little track there. You can't get away from it. It will always be there, no doubt to me, from this point to the end of time. The last time... And it's been quite a little while ago that I looked up the Romans' road to salvation. It had been Googled over one million times. People are very interested in the Romans' road to salvation. They basically believe the book of Romans, you know, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, then you have Acts, and then you have Romans. Romans is their plan of salvation all comes from the one book of Romans. That's why all these verses are from Romans. So today, within the lesson, it'd be real easy to follow. You go to the book of Romans, and that's where we're going to be all night long. I may briefly go somewhere else, 
But I'll come back to Romans. Let me tell you how you cannot get away from this false doctrine. You can go check in at a motel, nearly any motel, from the lowest grade to the highest, you know, fancy hotels. And in their nightstands, they usually will have a Bible. And in that Bible will be the Romans road to salvation. I could not begin to tell you how many times I've taken pictures of that particular doctrine being taught. We had some church friends who wanted to take their kids to the parade downtown. And as they went downtown, one of the floats as it rode by, it had a whole bunch of people there that were throwing candy to the kids. But there was a little piece of paper wrapped around that candy, and the dad reached out and said, let me see that. And he opened it up, Romans Road to Salvation. The kids ate the candy. The dad said, oh my. Can't even bring your kids to a parade without having that. And then I had a church family one time that wanted to move from this house to that house. And so we began to look up different areas of town and, and we, we got us a little book about house finders and we opened it up and the very center page of that booklet that talked about houses, where they're located, how much they are, the very center was the Romans Road to Salvation. About 11 years ago, the house that I live in now in Oklahoma City, technically Yukon, Oklahoma, I'd been there for probably three months or so. And one night someone rang the doorbell and I went to the door and this very pleasant man and woman stood there and they said, we just want to give you a, a welcome to our community basket. Well, I told them I appreciated it and that was very nice of them. And then as they left and, and I looked in that basket and I set it on the counter, there was a little folder in that little basket and there it was, the Romans Road to Salvation. I'm telling you, you're not going to get away from it. So don't try. It, it's going to be there. And this is what we need to know. We need to know what it is that our friends and sometimes family members, our neighbors all are being taught and then how to respond to that. That is the key factor today. You know, we need to learn what is being taught and what is the best way to respond back. As you see on Romans' road to salvation, many of the things are true. And you know how it is if you read a document and 98% of that document is true, it's sometimes kind of hard to pick out that 2%. It's easy to cover it up. If 99% is true, boy, that 1%, sometimes, depending on how flagrant it is, is a little bit of a challenge. Well, the Romans road to salvation is filled with book, chapter, and verse. Romans, and then a chapter, and then a verse. However, the teaching and the conclusion is not complete. That's the problem. It's not complete. Okay, let's begin. Now, you will sometimes see the Romans road to salvation, even now they begin to have different titles. You know, they will talk about it being, you know, the way to get pardoned or pardoned from my sins and a whole list of different ways 
it's identified. But it's generally called the Romans Road to Salvation. And feel free whenever you get a chance, look it up. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's all over the world. And the first point they generally make, we all have sinned. Nobody's going to deny that. I'm certainly not. And Romans 3 and verse 10, Romans 3 and 23, you know, the Bible said, there's none righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a person in this building tonight, in this great crowd tonight, who would deny we've all sinned at one time or another. So see, the Romans road to salvation is not filled with false doctrine. It is just not complete in what they are promoting. All right, let's look at point number two. They would show the consequence of sins, or they often kind of times called it, the penalty of sin is found in Romans 6 and 23. Romans 6 and 23, the wages of sin is death. You know what? There's nobody here that would deny that. The wages of sin is death. So here we're marching along, and the first two points are true. Nobody would argue with that. This is what your friends at school, your best friend, your friend for life, this is what they're being taught by and large as far as salvation is concerned. Oh, point number three. Believe that Christ died for all. Many would say, believe that Christ died for you or believe that Christ died for me. Some would simply say, Christ died for all. Nobody's going to deny that. We all believe Jesus Christ died for all. You can look at Romans 5 and verse 8, and you can see this truth being taught. It's not a hard passage at all. Romans 5 and 8, God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, dear friends, there's not anything yet to argue about. But when you look at point one, scripture, point two, scripture, point three, scripture, then all of a sudden you begin to kind of scratch your head and say, well, what's this all about? All right, let's look at number four. Trust Christ alone to save. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, a passage that will be referenced again later on about confessing the name of Jesus Christ. And then verse 13 shows how we must put our faith in him, calling upon his name. Well, you look at this passage here and you trust in Christ alone. The one way, the only way to heaven, we learn from the very first sermon of this revival meeting is the mere fact that it is through Jesus and Jesus alone salvation can be obtained. God gave Jesus to die at Calvary. Acts 4 and 12, you remember? It says, neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven among men whereby you must be saved. It is through Jesus' death at Calvary that we can have eternal salvation. So therefore, we can understand that you trust Jesus Christ to save. You know, this word alone sometimes gets a little bit edgy because, you know, many times people will misinterpret the fact. But we believe today 
The one and the only way to heaven is by the way that Jesus Christ set forth. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. So therefore, by and large, without you know polluting this statement, we must trust in Jesus Christ to save. Well, let's stay with it. Look at number five, the final, the result of salvation. Now we run into a problem. Because right here is our initial problem. The final slash the result of salvation. Would you go with me to Romans 5 and verse 1? Romans 5 and verse 1 is going to identify you're justified by faith. Now we believe that with all of our heart. We all believe you're justified by faith. The word of God said, Romans 5 and 1, Therefore, be justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No argument here. All right, now from Romans 5 1, flip a couple of pages to chapter 8 and 1. Romans 8 and verse 1. The Bible says, Now there, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. No condemnation. Therefore, the result of salvation, you're justified. No condemnation. And then you're going to be introduced to the sinner's prayer. And notice these quotation marks right here. This is the direct quote, not this last February, but two meetings ago when I was in Manteca, California. It was a 10-day gospel meeting. And a host of us get together in the par parking lot on Saturday morning to knock on doors and invite them to services, to invite the community. Well, we divided up into groups, and they had it well organized, and different play people went different groups, and, and different doors to knock. And, and a couple of hours passed, maybe three, you know, and people began to come back and gather in the parking lot. This one young couple, they said, we knocked to this house, and... We gave them a brochure, and then they said, okay, I'll take yours, and you take mine. Here it is. And i give that to your preacher. Well, it was Romans' road to salvation. You know what I wish today? I wish today that we would find a document, prepare a document, write a new document, that everybody would be so assertive as to give it out. Like that. And share that news with people. The truth about salvation. But as we find here. The sinner's prayer. Here's what in that particular brochure. Now the sinner's prayer. May be worded differently. But basically contains the same thing. Here's what it really will contain. It's going to contain points one through five. In their prayer. It may be worded slightly different. But it would say something like this. This is a direct quote. Dear Jesus, I know I am a sinner. Please forgive me for my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. Save my soul from hell. I'm trusting you and you alone to take me to heaven when I die. 
Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Amen. Well, now those are sweet words, but guess what? You can't find that from cover to cover in your Bible. You can't find the 32nd cousin to that. It's not there. The sinner's prayer as it is promoted today is nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere. Now that is quite amazing. And it makes people have to sit up and take note when you say, well, you know, that's kind of sweet, but let me ask you that. Uh, where was that in the Bible? And people all of a sudden began to, you know, stammer and to stutter and to try to scratch their head a bit and say, well, I need to talk to my preacher or I need to talk to my pastor or I need to talk to one of my church leaders because they don't know. And the fact is, their preacher, the church leaders, they're not going to know because it's not there. Where did it come from? Number one, it did not come from God, the sinner's prayer. Number two, it grew over the course of really nearly 100 years. You know, I did an extensive research on the sinner's prayer, and it just did not grab hold. It was, it was modified, it was reworded, and it went through quite the process. But here is how it became a household prayer in the minds of many people. Billy Graham, he decided, here's the deal. I want to bring salvation to people's living room, quote, unquote. I want to bring salvation to people's living room. And after I preach one of these sermons on TV, I want people to have the opportunity of being saved right there in their living room. Therefore, they want to show the sinner's prayer. And he endorsed the sinner's prayer. Earlier in his preaching, he didn't really endorse it. But now, he put his full force Behind it. And it ended nearly every TV broadcast for the last number of years. He said if people would pray this prayer, then he would say, go to the church of your choice. My dear friends, listen. Billy Graham was a nice person. He even gave some good lessons. I enjoyed reading a few of his books. I'm not knocking the good that this man did. But what he did not do, he did not teach the truth on salvation, nor the church, nor doctrine, nor worship. He didn't do that. As a matter of fact, he taught false doctrine. Oh, my people just get all upset about that. But he did. I'm being honest with you here. When you teach things contrary to the doctrine of Christ, it's false doctrine. And it alarmed me when he died and people started calling me and, and inquiring with me, do you think he's in paradise? I don't know how many times I said, no. No, no, no. God will be the final judge. We know that. And I'm not taking trying to supersede God's judgment. But let me tell you what. What I can show you is what the Bible said. And I can show you what he promoted. And they're not the same. So therefore, we can understand how the similarities are with your friend and your family. Let them know, yes, I believe we've sinned. Yes, there's a terrible consequence of sin. Yes, we must believe in Jesus Christ. We must trust in him. And we must understand that we want salvation. But this sin of prayer, it's not in the Bible. It's simply not there. 
Therefore, we go with the missing ingredient. I was studying with a fire chief of a rather large city. And we met for lunch one day and, and he began to tell me about his background. I had asked him, how did you get from point A, lost, to point B, saved? What did you have to do to get from point A, lost, point B, saved? I'm genuinely interested. And I sat there and I listened. And he talked. He talked a very um, easy. He just laid it all out. And what he talked about was this right here, the Romans' road to salvation. And then how he prayed the sinner's prayer. But then, as he got through, I said, you know, I don't differ with a lot of what you've said. The Bible does not differ with a lot you have to say. He said, well, okay. You know, he was kind of excited. I said, but sir, there's a missing ingredient. And this missing ingredient must be attended to. Would you please turn with me to Romans. Notice I'm staying in the book of Romans here. Romans, the 6th chapter, verse 3 and 4. I'll give you a moment to turn. This verse is very familiar to all of us. But I took it from Romans. And I, I emphasize Romans because they promote the Romans' road to salvation. In Romans 6, verse 3 and 4. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. The like as Christ is raised up by the glory. Listen, by Christ is raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the endless of life. Here's a baptism verse in the book of Romans that is intentionally omitted. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You don't publish millions and millions of brochures at the hands of many scholarly people, educated people. You don't accidentally go leave that out. It was done on purpose. Romans, the sixth chapter, verse three and verse four, will illustrate the importance of baptism. The more you read in Romans the 6th chapter, the more you're going to understand that baptism is how you walk in new life. And that's what people really want to do. They want to walk that new life. They want the past to be gone and forgotten and to be a thing of the past and you have a bright future ahead of you. And we want the same for you. But we do not want you to be misled. So any of your friends and contacts and the community that present this, agree where you can agree. But then fill in the missing ingredient. Romans 6, verse 3 and 4. Now, at this point, I can make the lesson a whole lot longer by giving you all the verses about baptism. There's a lot of them. I'm not going to do that. Romans 6, 3 and 4 gives plenty. But now let's look at something else here. You've seen this written on the board many times. HBRCB. Hear the word. Believe the word. Repent of your sins. 
confess the name of Jesus, be buried with him in baptism. Now I want to show you every bit of that's in Romans. Stay with me here. It's in Romans. Now the fact is it's in one book of the New Testament, but I can find it all through the New Testament. But I'm going to look at Romans and go ahead and stay with the primary thesis here. The Romans road to salvation. In Romans 10 and 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's your hearing. Now, Jesus had a lot to say about hearing, but we're just looking at Romans here. Romans 10, verse 17. Romans 5, verse 1. Teaches you're justified by faith. Romans 5, verse 1. Romans 2, verse 4. Shows how repentance is part of your salvation. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. A passage we saw earlier. When you confess the name of Jesus. See friends we're sin. Hear the word. Believe the word. Repent of your sins. Confess the name of Jesus. Romans 6, 3 and 4. Baptism. Baptism is not any more important than believing or repenting or confessing. You can baptize somebody every day of their life. But if they do not repent or confess, it wouldn't do them any good. Baptism is equal in importance to all of these. They must be done. May we take you here and I ask of you, please remember this right here. The bookends of Romans. This has been very, very helpful to me in my ministry and working with people. It will be very, very helpful to you too. Well, Romans 5 verse 1 that says you're justified by faith. Well, I want you to understand that the Apostle Paul approximately 30 to 35 times used the word faith in the book of Romans. Notice what he did. In Romans 1 and verse 5, the first chapter of Romans in verse 5, very early in the book of Romans, he talks about obedient faith. And then you go to the last chapter of Romans, Romans 16 and verse 26, and you see him concluding this great book of Romans. He talks about obedient faith. So therefore, you have Romans 1, you got Romans 16, you got the book in. The bookends of Romans. He talked about obedient faith. We're going to be talking about obedient faith. He concluded. He said, we've been talking about obedient faith. Now, 30 more times or more, he used faith. He didn't have to say obedient faith, obedient faith, obedient faith, obedient faith, obedient faith, obedient faith. He did not have to say that every time. He established it to begin with obedient faith. In Romans 1 verse 5. And then at the ending, he spoke of obedient faith. Now, when you've got it right there at the beginning and the ending of Romans, when you get to chapter, like chapter 5, verse 1, justified by faith, you know what kind of faith it is? It's obedient faith. The faith that saves is the faith that obeys. Dear friend, I'll tell you what. I pray today that all of you will be motivated 
to get this material down and put it wherever you can keep it, where you can have it, because this will help you get the real attention of your community friend, family, whomever it may be. Because now we have an understanding of what people are being taught on a very, very consistent basis. And how they prayed the sinner's prayer. And you're showing them where the missing ingredient is in Romans 6, verse 3 and 4, baptism. You're showing them the plan of salvation. You're showing them the book end of Romans. See, God's word is really not hard to understand. People make it hard. God didn't make it hard. Salvation through the book of Acts is fabulous. I love preaching on the book of Acts. I love holding meetings and preaching on the book of Acts. And I've held meetings where we'd go through the cases of conversion, the establishment of the church, the missionary journeys, etc. Oh, there are so many people who are saved by the same teaching as you find the complete teaching of Romans' road to salvation. It is incomplete out there, and it's up to you to help people to see it has a missing ingredient. By the way, the gentleman I was visiting with over lunch, two days later he came to me and said, I'm ready to obey the gospel. And he will obey the gospel. There's a lot of people through the years that we've been able to study with when I can ask a simple question, how did you get from point A, sin, to point B, saved? Would you please tell me? That will help me to understand where you are. And I just sit there and listen. And you do the same thing. In other words, don't talk. Listen. Listen really good. And when you listen, you hear what they're doing and what they did and what they were told. And then you can give the missing ingredient. You can agree where you can agree. Like several points here. But you show what's not included and what needs to be included. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.